0: Good morning everyone, seeing all our deacons together in one place raises an interesting question, well lots of questions really, but uh, I wonder what the collective noun is for deacons? A deacon of deacons, any other thoughts? A fright? (laughs) A fright of deacons? A gaggle? A gaggle? Yeah. Well, I had a quick think. I thought of a confusion of deacons. I thought, no, that's unkind. That's very unkind. Then I thought a genius of deacons, and I thought, that's ingratiating. And finally, I settled on, having given it a great deal of thought, like about six seconds, that perhaps a servanthood of deacons. I like that. They work very hard, I (laughs) A hardworking servanthood of deacons. Um, because that's what they are, they're God's gift to uh, serve him, to serve the church, and we thank God for you all. Well, we began this series in James a couple of weeks ago with an introduction and an overview of the letter that I hope has whetted our appetites, and we're going to continue it now. Let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. So, <clears throat> what do the words perhaps and happiness have in common? I wonder if you know what they have in common, the word perhaps and happiness. They have something in common. Any suggestions? H-A-P. H-A-P, the word hap, and it is a word. Does anyone know what the word hap, H-A-P, means? It means chance. It's an old-fashioned word that means chance, and perhaps and happiness both have within them the word and the idea of chance. perhaps. That's clear to see, isn't it? Perhaps something will happen. There's a chance it might. There's a chance it might not. Perhaps. And happiness is a sense of well-being that depends very often on chance. Maybe we'll be happy. Maybe we won't. Happiness uh, can be very elusive, hard to pin down. It can never be certain. It's impossible to guarantee. You can do your best. You can try and organise a happy wedding day. The best dress, the best flowers, the best cards, the best food, the best video, the best vicar. <laughs> <laughs> you get toothache on the day and you're stuffed. It's all gone. Many parents say their greatest wish for their children is that they are happy. Personally I pray for my children that they may know joy, the joy of the Lord. Joy, unlike happiness, is not a matter of chance. Joy is far deeper and more wonderful. Joy, or at least the joy we're going to be thinking about, comes from God himself. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit that lives within the Christian's life. Joy is not dependent on chance or circumstance. Joy is a gift of God we can know in good times and in bad times. And Justin's going to put our text up on the Screen And I'm going to read from James chapter 1, verses 2 to 5. And we'll look at this more closely in a moment. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. Right near the start of his letter, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. James starts his letter with this surprise, coupling Trials or suffering with joy. It's a bit startling. If James had said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you worship God, we wouldn't have blinked an eyelid, would we? If he had said, consider it pure joy when God blesses you, we all said, that's lovely. No problem. But he grabs our attention at the start of his letter on how to live the Christian life by saying... Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How can this be? Well, James has chosen his words, each word, very carefully, and we must listen and read carefully to what he says, and, of course, obey faithfully. We do that. There is a great truth here, and wonderful blessing. So let's note first, who is James talking to? Just because it says something in the Bible, it doesn't mean to say it applies to you. We need to look carefully. And we see that he tells us, brothers and sisters. He's talking to fellow members of the family of God. He doesn't say that this type of divine joy is possible for everyone. He's talking about those who, like himself, in verse 1, are servants of God and of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, then rejoice. The good news is on its way. But what if it's not you? Well, the good news is it could be you. Jesus calls everyone to follow him. Jesus wants everyone to know this joy that wells up from the spirit within in life in good times And in bad. And later in his letter, James will write, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. God longs for everyone to know the joy of his salvation in their life. So now, my brothers and sisters in Christ, what does James say to us? Well, we see that it's trials of many kinds. We may know joy no matter what the trial we face. So that could be illness, of course, or financial troubles, relationship problems, trials at work or college or in the church. It may be trials in which we suffer because we're following Jesus. And others don't like it. And normally the words we associate with times of trial and hard times would be words like fear or confusion or nervousness or despair, perhaps guilt or blame. James speaks of pure joy and in doing so James makes an assumption here the assumption behind these verses is that trials will test our faith. That's the assumption that James has here. Trials, difficult times, dark times will be a test of our faith. And by faith, he means our faith in God. Our faith that, well, that God exists, that may be tested. Our faith that God is with us, well, that may be tested. In a dark time as well. Our faith that God truly cares for us, that he really is in charge of everything. Trials are questions of those beliefs. Trials can make us question our own beliefs. We don't lie on a sunbed by the sea with a cool drink in our hand and say, I wonder if God exists. But when we lie on a bed in hospital, or a loved one does, with a drip in their arm, then our faith is tested, and questions are more likely to arise. Such trials can be like a playground bully. They won't leave us alone. A bully that laughs at our faith. That pushes our hope around, tries to trip us up, tries to make us fall and give up. Deny, doubt or even abandon our faith in God. In difficult times a voice might whisper in our ear, so where is your God? You can't see him, can you? You can't hear him, you can't feel him. He doesn't care, he's not Even there. So, what does James say? How are we to respond in that situation when that bully of doubt appears? Well, James says stand tall, stand firm, keep the faith. Not all do. Some will say, I was stupid to believe in God. A fool to put my trust in him. And instead of standing firm and tall, they will cower before this bully. They will step back. They may run away. And wherever they run to will not be a place of joy and maturity. More likely despair and hopelessness. In verse 5, James talks about wisdom. The wisdom to understand these things. he says, if we lack wisdom, we should ask God who will give us wisdom. And God's wisdom comes to us in many ways. Not least through God's word, not least through James in his passage. He's giving wisdom to those in times of trial and trouble. And he says, persevere. For perseverance leads to maturity. This is what David did in the Old Testament in Psalm 71. Where he says this. David's in trouble and he's saying, my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God's forsaken him. Pursue him, seize him, no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly and help me. May my accusers perish in shame. Those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds. Perseverance, James tells us, leads to maturity. Faith can be like a muscle. Exercise your faith, exercise your muscle, and it will grow and get stronger. The equipment in a gym, being January, I know we're all determined to join a gym and it's going very well. (laughs) The equipment in a gym is there to test you, to see what you're really made of, for you to discover things about yourself. It will make you sweat, it will make you ache, It will make the going hard, and it will tempt you to not go there in the first place or to give up at the start. And if you are content with the way you are, you are likely to walk away. But if you want to grow, if you want to be fitter, if you want to be stronger, have more stamina to live, Then you will push on and persevere and the result will be growth and your strength will be increased. And the trials of life are tools that God can use to help his children to mature. The trials of life are tools that God can use to help us to mature in our faith, grow strong in Christ, indeed to grow to be like Jesus. But for that tool to be effective, we mustn't walk away. We must stand firm by faith in the face of trials. We must persevere. Verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lack anything. The idea behind these verses means that we can become more profitable as servants of Christ. Become more mature. We are better able to serve him. Is that what we want? It means also we can become stronger. To be soldiers for Jesus Christ. To fight the enemy. It means we can become more like Jesus in our character. Mature. Mature. And those maturing in this way in Christ, those who persevere in the face of trials and keep the faith, who grow stronger, will be more able to put into practice the very teaching that James speaks about in this letter. Maybe that's why he puts it at the beginning. He's going to tell us how to live the Christian life. Well, it takes faith and it takes maturity. He's going to uh, speak about resisting sin and Satan and our own evil desires. We need to be mature and strong if we're going to do that. He'll speak about being wiser, slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. That takes maturity, not something very often that the children have. It would take maturity uh, to not just listen to God's word, but to do it. It takes maturity to care, not just for our own needs, but for the needs of others. Sometimes children find that difficult. They're immature. James speaks about maturing so that we can live the Christian life well. He speaks about being peacemakers. He speaks about not being quarrelsome, especially in church. And sometimes churches that are always quarrelling amongst themselves, well, they're like children. Immature. He'll speak about the mature being those that don't boast about tomorrow, but submit with humility their plans to God and trust him for whatever happens. He'll speak about being patient in the face of suffering, as Jesus was. Hebrews 5 verse 8 says this, concerning Jesus... Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who believe in him. Jesus himself learned obedience through suffering. Hebrews also speaks about Jesus calling him my righteous one shall live by faith. And we're encouraged in Hebrews 12 verse 3 to consider him who endured such opposition so that we will not grow weary and tired. Remember Jesus who persevered through trials by faith himself is the author and perfecter of our faith. We can turn to him for help to have faith that is strong. And of course, Jesus has also given us brothers and sisters in Christ. We are on this journey together, celebrating happy days, sharing tears on difficult days, so that we can encourage each other in our faith to stand firm, to stand tall, indeed to walk forward together. I wonder sometimes... (coughs) If a Christian who constantly responds to every trial with the hope of a miracle, I just wonder if God sometimes says, grow up. I just wonder that. Philip Yancey uh, says this, We make faith not an attitude of trust in something unseen, but a route to get something seen, something magical and stupendous, like a miracle or supernatural gifts. Faith includes the supernatural, but it also includes daily dependent trust in spite of results. True faith implies a belief without solid proof, the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for, as the writer to Hebrew puts it. God is not mere magic the trial that we wish to be whisked away can be for those who have faith a tool in which God helps us towards maturity in Christ and this is why we may have a sense of joy even in the time of trial because we put our trust in God And through this, we can grow and mature, become more like Jesus Christ, which is the great joy and hope of our lives. To be like Jesus is the reason you were created in the first place. It's a fulfilment of purpose. To be like Jesus is the reason you were redeemed by God, to belong to him. That he might begin to change us into maturity, into Christ. And to be like Jesus is the deep desire the Spirit puts in the heart of every child of God. To grow and grow and become like Jesus. That's why James can say, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So along with the tears and the heartache of suffering and the comfort that God provides and the strength that he gives us, we can find a place and a moment to reflect on the joy that the Lord is at work and we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And in closing, James has just one more blessing to tell us about for those who persevere in times of trouble. Not only is there maturity, not only is there joy to be found, but there's a promise of great reward. In chapter 5 of James, he points us to Job in the Old Testament. Now there was a man who suffered, wasn't there? Trials. But he never wavered in his faith in God. And God rewarded him, though he had lost so much, by doubling everything he once had, which apparently included 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and quite a way down the list, extra daughters as well. In the Old Testament, God's rewards and blessings are often material and temporary. In the New Testament, the age in which we live now, God's blessings are more often spiritual. And the greatest of them we actually receive in heaven. James chapter 1 verse 12. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Jesus points to reward, uh, James points to a reward in heaven for those who are faithful. Exactly what that crown of life is, I'm not quite sure, but I'm not sure that it matters. The fact is that it's from Jesus and he will place it on the head of those who are faithful. What grace, what joy. Job could see the gifts that he got. We can see that crown only with the eyes of of faith. I'm going to close with a text from the Bible, but first this little story. It's about Florence Chadwick. Anyone heard of Florence Chadwick? One or two nodding. Well, she was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. On the 4th of July, 1951, she attempted to swim from Catalina Island to the Californian coast. The challenge was not so much the distance, but the bone-chilling waters of the Pacific. To complicate matters, a dense fog lay over the entire area, making it impossible for her to see land. After about 15 hours in the water, and within half a mile of her goal, Chadwick gave up. She later told a reporter, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I might have made it. Not long afterwards, she attempted the feat again. Once more, a misty veil obscured the coastline and she couldn't see the shore. But this time, she made it because she kept reminding herself the land was there. With that confidence, she bravely swam on and achieved her goal. To close with these verses from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Amen.